0: Lord God, take my words this morning and speak through them. Take our hearts this morning and speak to them. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We invite you to bring conviction to our hearts through the living word that you will initiate healing and transformation in our lives. We pray this all for the glory of your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Today we join with our sister churches in the Anglican Church of North America in recognizing Sanctity of Life Sunday. Now this isn't a feast Sunday in our liturgical calendar. This is a special Sunday that all ACNA churches are encouraged to recognize on a Sunday close to January 22nd. That being the anniversary of the date that the Supreme Court handed down the Roe v. Wade decision. Sanctity of Life Sunday is a day that we choose to do something countercultural. We choose to stand for the protection of something our culture does not honor or protect. God's word is clear. Every life is sacred. Every life is God-given. And every man and every woman is made in the holy image of God. Every one of you. We see this truth in our psalm today, and I invite you to look at page four for our psalm. I want to point out today's scriptures aren't specifically chosen for Sanctity of Life Sunday. These are the lectionary scriptures chosen for the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, the second year of a three-year cycle. They're the Sundays that our lectionary gave us for today. Truth be told, the sanctity of human life is a theme that runs throughout Holy Scriptures. In our psalm today, Psalm 111, the psalmist begins with praise to the Lord. Literally, it begins, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks unto the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and among the congregation. That is how we, as God's people, are invited to begin every day, no matter how we feel. He is Lord, He is on His throne, He can be trusted, and He is worthy of all our praise. Amen? Amen. Life in Christ begins with praise to the Lord. Look at the second verse. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all who have pleasure in them. That second verse declares that the works of the Lord are great. Verse 3 goes on to say his work is full of splendor and majesty, pointing to his righteousness, and in verse 4 to his grace and his mercy. Great are the works of the Lord. Well, That begs the question, what are the works of the Lord? As recorded in Holy Scriptures, God's works begin in the beginning with creation. God created the universe. He spoke it into existence. He created all that there is, and he created humankind in his image. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God's word then tells the story of the fall, of the sinful disobedience of the first man and the first woman that had consequences for all of creation. Now God's word is clear that every man and every woman is imperfect. Every one of you, stained by sin and condemned by their sin to eternal separation from God. But that leads us to the good news of the gospel, that God has worked salvation through Jesus Christ so that all who confess their sin and believe in Jesus are redeemed and all then have access to new life in his name. There are no conditions on this redemption that God offers to mankind. It's available to every man, to every woman, To every child, to everyone who confess and believe, no matter what. No matter if they were inconvenient or disobedient. No matter if they were loved or if they were cast off. No matter if they did bad or even did evil. All who confess their sin and turn to Jesus with faith are redeemed and restored to God. That's the gospel. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 111. The psalmist declares a profound statement that rings forth as truth for God's people today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In God's kingdom, fear and reverence of the Lord is the foundation for all new life. If there's one thing I want you to take with you today from this sermon, it would be this verse, Psalm 111, verse 10. You all primarily fear or revere, ultimately, you all worship something. That something that you fear or revere will dictate and direct your mind, will dictate and direct your heart and your decisions as you live life. If what you fear and revere is not the Lord, then there will be trouble and there will be despair. Fear of the Lord helps one to see His creation and all of His creation as sacred. When there's no fear of the Lord, well, that means that something else is being feared and revered, something else is in the place of God. You probably know this, but when God isn't on the throne, your God can very easily become yourself. And when you are in the place of God, your convenience becomes primary. And any inconvenience is to be eliminated in favor of your life and your preferences. We see this principle. Very clearly in the philosophy of pro choice. If conception is inconvenient, then it's okay to eliminate that inconvenient life. Pro choice is ultimately a philosophy of inconvenience. In God's kingdom, every life is a miracle, and miracles aren't always convenient. Miracles are what they are. They're miracles. They're a gift from God. So in God's kingdom, every life is a miracle. In the world's values, not every miracle deserves to live. We see the same philosophy of inconvenience in daily life with needy people, with invalids, with immigrants, perhaps even with people who drive too slow. If they are inconvenient or if they're too expensive or if they're too much of a burden, they should be eliminated, removed from my view. When you are on the throne, it's a philosophy of inconvenience. We can see this philosophy of inconvenience in end-of-life issues, especially illness and incarceration if a group of people are no longer able to function on their own, or if we decide they're no longer worthy to continue to live, or if they've done something wrong, then they're inconvenient and they should be removed. Remember, in God's kingdom, no one is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And also remember... Remember who the Lord is when he's on his throne. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is those things. Human nature is not. The Lord did not discriminate regarding who was worthy of forgiveness, redemption, or who was worthy of new life. It's offered to all. And we see this in our gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. It's on the next page, page five. In this gospel reading, Jesus has entered the synagogue, and verse 23 immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Luke, telling the same story in Luke chapter 4, declared that this was a man with an unclean, demonic spirit. Now, I know it's not always good to make generalizations, but are, are, are demons good? No. Okay, so we can generally say demons are bad. Wanted, to, wanted you to agree with me there. I would say demons are evil. I want you to notice in this narrative, there's no clarification of what this man possessed with an. Unclean spirit had done? Was he mean spirited and rude to all those who passed by? Did he take advantage of elderly people, perhaps swindling them? Did he abuse men or abuse women? Did he abuse children? Did he kill someone or perhaps kill many? There's no clarification here and there's no judgment given by Jesus. Jesus simply frees, heals, and redeems him from his bondage and then gives him the opportunity to experience new life. That's the gospel. It's available to all no matter what. That's the gospel that has saved you if you have faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news for every man and every woman that salvation is available to all. The gospel is the reason that we need to defend every life. The gospel is the reason we need to advocate for the unborn because their lives are sacred. They are miracles created by God. This is why we need to be involved in working for the care and protection of those experiencing crisis pregnancies and for those in the foster care system who need a home. This is why we need to advocate and care for those who have mental illness or other exceptionalities who cannot advocate or take care of themselves. This includes those who are living on the streets of our city. Many are contending with mental illness. This is why we participate, Church of the Savior or Church of the Redeemer participates in prison ministry. And why we need to advocate against the death penalty, because every life is sacred. And no one is beyond the grace and mercy of the Lord who desires that no one would perish, but that all would receive salvation in Jesus. We need to advocate for those on death row. And we need to make sure the gospel is presented to them. We need to participate. This is why we need to advocate against euthanasia and for natural death for all. I'm guessing in these various things I've brought up that I may have touched on things that you haven't considered before. I'm guessing I may have touched on things that you may not agree with. But I want to challenge you to remember Psalm 111, verse 10. Turn back and let's read that together. Ready? Together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who live accordingly. His praise endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God's kingdom is not of this world. And it's upside down from society and from culture. Our society might have said that this demon-possessed man didn't deserve the right to live. Jesus offered him new life. We are called to do the same. In God's kingdom, you're blessed if you're reviled against. You're blessed if you are persecuted. You're blessed if you are poor in spirit. You're blessed if you mourn. You're blessed If you are meek, that comes from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. In God's kingdom, he is Lord. He is on the throne, and we can be okay. We can be okay knowing that, even when we don't understand why we mourn or why we suffer. In God's kingdom, fear and reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it's the gateway to true life. In God's kingdom, the most powerful thing we can do, it's counter to our human nature. The most powerful thing we can do is to pray and to cry out to the Lord who is on his throne. We can pray individually, and we can pray as a corporate body for the unborn, for the needy, and for the despicable, that they would confess and repent and turn to the Lord in faith. We can pray for wisdom to make right decisions in the face of worldly and medical information. The information that you will get in your daily life will be challenging And you will need the Lord's insight and the Lord's wisdom as you seek to follow him and make your decisions. We can pray for one another and support one another. You need one another. We need to support one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter our history, no matter our nationality, and no matter our political party. As the body of Christ, we must stand together and live as residents of his kingdom. I pray that we will be a church that seeks together to fear and revere the Lord and to know Christ. I pray that we will be a church that seeks to grow together in faith and godly wisdom as we fear and revere the Lord first. And I pray that we will be a church that seeks to go together into the world to proclaim the good news that Christ died and rose again to save sinners. All sinners, no matter what. May we advocate together for God's kingdom values that every life is sacred. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.